Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 404, a hot bowl of turkey soup. And I am your co-host, and the guy who still has not seen a live poult this year, but dot 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 all right so that's the end of that <laughs> and i and i'm your co-host and the guy who went a little oriental today uh-huh i haven't heard this at all so let me let me hear it well i went and got acupuncture oh yeah for first time ever and it was pretty enjoyable i have to say so i have some low back pain you know which is probably one of the most common issues of any male in America, if I had to guess, but I'm pretty young to be having these issues, but I, I was kind of born with some, but I went and tried acupuncture today for the first time. And man, I think it used to be a good thing for me. We'll see. You know, I'm not, I'm not basing anything off one treatment. We'll see long-term how it goes, but yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it just was different than I anticipated. It was like the needles and then we did like cupping and then yeah. they did these like electronic things with the needles where it was like pulsing mm-hmm. and then got some vitamin b12 shots in my low back so we'll see how it goes very cool so if you it did... goes well I'll, I'll advise podcast listeners with low back pain to try it out <laughs> so you did cupping but you didn't try any spooning with this doctor the doctor and i did not spoon okay we did not all right just wanting to make sure everyone's clear on that yeah no just just cup <laughs> so... Uh, I'll never forget the first time Tammy did acupuncture. She left the doctor's office and came to my office and was in tears. I was like, what in the world's wrong with you? I just left that acupuncturist and it hurt. I was like, (laughs) "Uh, I'm not real sure it's supposed to hurt. I don't know. I don't claim to be an expert on acupuncture, but maybe they did something wrong. I don't know. But it helped her for what she went for. 
but it was going to be one of those things where it was, you know, a long-term treatment option and a lot of money that's not covered by insurance. And so one of those things that eventually you just drop and when you start to feel a little bit better and you go on with life. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. I didn't find it painful in any way. I mean, it didn't particularly feel good when they're sticking the needles in you, but it's not like, I would say it was the equivalent of like if I popped you with a rubber band, you know, that was kind of how it felt to me. But why the dot, dot, dots after the pulse? As I've sent you, I'm I'm seeing a few pulse here recently. You are seeing some pulse. And yeah. I'm glad to hear about that. You know, we, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but I don't really know that the state of Alabama as a whole had a great hatch because yeah. I haven't really talked to anyone in Alabama that's seen Polts. I haven't seen any Polts, and I got a new game camera, a new trail camera. Did I tell you that? Nice. What'd you get? I got a Tacticam Reveal. Nice. The cellular? Yes, sir. All right. I'll be interested to know how that goes for you because I'm using Moultrie right now, and I have a couple cell cams out. Well, I've got, I put this one out, and I have to say I'm pretty pleased with it so far. It's way better than point garbage that (laughs) I have. (laughs) And I got a turkey picture the first day of the camera being out. Nice. The turkey picture has in it what appears to be some pretty darn mature poles. I thought... If that's the picture you sent me, mm-hmm. I thought without a doubt that those were mature poles because the hen on the right side is double the size of those other turkeys. She's a bruiser, man. So you either have a Helga of a hen yeah, or that's mama and you had an early hatch nest right there. Yeah, I think Which, we had an early hatch and, yeah. you know, whatever hatched early... Must have done better than whatever hatched late. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that, I'm looking at the picture again, and the pole, the dead center one, like the one most visible, that is definitely a pole. I yeah. mean, those long, long, skinny legs, and like, no doubt about it. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So that is a good sign. And the poles here are very small still. You know, they're definitely weren't early hatch poles. They're pretty pretty small but they can fly so they're past the most critical stage but you know I've, I've gotten some trail camera pictures my brother's seen some i think we had okay to above average hatch here good and on the heels of 2021 which i believe was a significantly above average hatch i'll take it mm-hmm. so i think and from what i've heard there's it's like there's pockets of areas where the hatch was insane from what i've heard mississippi had a massive hatch that, which is interesting yeah <laughs> on on many different levels yeah. many that they have the earliest opening season date now besides south florida in the country so that's interesting to me but it, from what i hear they had a pretty darn good hatch this year and i've heard of other kind of pockets that have had good hatches but it doesn't seem to be like last year where the whole southeast just boomed Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think it's nearly as good as last year at least in the areas that i've been to you know i've been to the hunting hunting club a couple of times and have yet to see a poult there and then you know on my property is where i got the trail camera pick from but i again i haven't seen anything live any live poults there live and in person by me i should say i don't believe those were poults decoys that somebody staked out in front of my trail cam so that's not what i'm talking about that, that would be a cruel joke for sure. oh god yeah <laughs> yeah really don't make me cry also so, want to know where somebody would find a pult decoy that would be also impressive well, let's start making some you know i, I sense a business <laughs> opportunity here to make some yeah. pult decoys if you put out your full spread of, of strutting tom half strut jake jenny and hen and then you accomplish that with five pult decoys he's bound to come in (laughs) (laughs) oh yes yeah then the sad thing is we'd sell a bunch (laughs) (laughs) like the squealing hen man it's it's gonna work yeah yeah oh man that's pretty good yeah and you know i was down and out because i went to the place to my property sunday to put the camera up and saw six hens with no poles. 
And again, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen several lone hens, no poults. I've seen several hens around this spring and summer, no poults, but got a picture with what appears to be some poults. And so now I'm not quite as sad, but we got to got to have better hatches than that. If we're going to turn yeah. this declining population around, we've got to have better hatches than that. And you and I have talked about this a lot between ourselves over the past, what, three, four days, if not months, but especially over the last three or four days. And man, it's, I'm a firm believer. And the more that I read, the more that I research, the more that I witness things live and in person or via trail cam, I'm a firm believer that the only ways we're going to turn this declining population crisis around is to improve our habitat, both nesting and brood rearing, and to eliminate predators. Amen. I think that's it. It's simple as that in my mind. And we and can, I think you got to have both. Yeah. And we can discuss it. Every other thing ad nauseum. We can discuss whether or not it's hogs, whether or not it's weather, whether or not anything else, but we can't really control those things. I, I'm not going to say somebody's not going to eradicate hogs from their property, but uh, you're fighting a losing battle there. And with predators, we can make a difference. You know, we can we can trap and they're very, they're breeding, they're mating, their reproduction is very controlled compared to a wild hog. But I don't believe wild hogs are having the effect on turkeys that a lot of people think they are. That's me personally. So yeah, and I'm sure the I imagine that's going to get a lot of attention for studies in the future will be hogs because of those claims. And I have no doubt that the hogs are probably hurting the habitat of the area. And, you know, maybe they trample a couple nests and maybe one comes across a nest and eats it, you know, whatever. But I don't know how viable it is that hogs are like actively seeking and predating nests like a raccoon. You know, I I don't think that happens as much. I I mean, granted, I hope we don't have hogs here. I'm I'm happy with that. But and if we get them here, I'll do my best to eradicate them just because they are a nuisance. But the nest raiders and the habitat, I mean, that's it in my mind. You know, if you have a piece of property and you're wanting more turkeys on it, I think, A, you go in and do habitat improvement, make it to where it is conducive to nesting and poult rearing. And once that's accomplished, hammer your predators. And if you do both of those, it should work, I mean, without a doubt. Yep. And And, for those who are sitting out there listening with a giant question mark above their heads as to how they can do that, that show that you and I did last year with Grant Woods on it, it was episode Mm -hmm. number 354. Man, that is gold. Yeah. That is wildlife, wild turkey habitat management gold is what that is. Absolutely. And I, I just, I think Grant Woods, I think the world of that guy and, and what he does, he has no university backing or anything like this. He literally just preaches what has worked on his farm. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it. so. Yeah. And habitat, predation management, that's going to help your game species, you know? And so your, your turkey hens and poults and all this stuff, they're not just dying under their favorite oak tree you know, out there slowly passing away with their family gathered around. They're being predated, and we can legally kill most of the predators that hit them. <laughs> I mean, we can't get yeah. them all, but we yeah. can help where we can. Yep. So, And here's the other thing. For you guys who have or live in states, I should say, or have property in states that do have a closed season on wild turkey nest predators, if you don't go to your state legislators and don't try to get that law overturned so that you can trap year-round, then you're just shorting yourselves. You're, You're not helping yourselves out. And I would just about bet you that your state wildlife biologists would be on board with opening up trapping for raccoons, trapping for possums to make it a year-round venture. And yeah. so, you know, make those phone calls and see if you can get those those laws overturned and open up the trapping season for wild turkey nest predators to be a year-round thing. It just happened in Tennessee. So Tennessee can do it. here, and if you're a private landowner in Tennessee, you can do whatever you want with those nest raiders, basically. But the other thing, 
this month, August, what I'm going to be doing on my properties that I can do this on. Next week, we're going to start doing hack and squirt on several hundred acres of land that we, we've already select cut it. The timber crews have come in, taken what they wanted, so we've gotten the money out of it that we wanted. And now what trees are left still are too dense for us to have a really nice savanna-type habitat. And so the next couple of weeks we're going in with herbicide and we're going to hack and squirt undesirable trees, gum trees, crooked trees, multi-stem trees, you know, ones that, that will never make a saw log and remove them and try to get down to where we have less trees per acre so that we have more sunlight, more photosynthesis, more grasses and forbs coming up and more pulp and nesting habitats. So we're going to be hacking and squirting. I haven't decided yet. We're either going to use, it's called crossbow, is a herbicide you can use. And so we're either going to use crossbow or we're going to use a mixture of 50% Garland 3A, 40% water, and 10% Arsenal AC. Mm-hmm. And so those are the two options we have right now. The, the mixture will control more species. The crossbow will kill quicker from what I understand. So I haven't decided which one we're going to go for. I think we mostly are going to be dealing with gum trees. And so we may just go with crossbow. And basically, depending on the size of the tree, you hack it a number of times. If it's a large tree, one time if it's a small tree, spray the herbicide in it and it will kill that tree. And then sunlight will come in and make pulp and nesting habitat. So that's what we're doing this month. And then we also have a growing season burn planned this month for another section that is has been select cut it is getting plenty of sunlight and the problem is a bunch of gum trees where the stumps are yeah you'll have a ton of sprouts of little gum trees so we're doing a growing season burn through that to kill all of those trees and a growing season is a better time to kill trees because the sap is in the bottom of the tree not the top from what i understand so you fully kill it at that very close to the outside you know it's it's in the just inside the bark in the summertime yeah. and so that tree is very alive and it cannot withstand the heat from a fire typically so that's it so that's our august plan i mean and i'm here in tennessee so if you're in the southeast this month is a big month for habitat management for turkeys it's the best month you can have for a growing season burn in my mind or hack and squirt techniques so get out there and do some habitat work and hey throw your traps out friday night if you know you're going to do habitat work saturday and sunday run them do your habitat work you might kill some coons in the process and you're killing two birds with one stunt yeah uh, and that's what we're planning on doing on your way to the property listen to episode 354 wild turkey habitat management with dr grant woods there you go he can tell it a lot better than i can <laughs> so yeah awesome well we have some turkey soup for you guys today but i feel a little obligated before we jump into that to say that we're 233 days 12 hours 44 minutes and one whole second away from opening day of spring turkey season in alabama nice we are 51 days and 12 hours from fall archery season sweet and we are 209 days and 12 hours from our first hunt of the year very good. So that's yeah. awesome. But uh, there's nothing more on a you know 110 heat index day that I want than a big old steaming bowl of turkey soup. I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, and and it actually sounds good to me because I'm on day three of a three day fast right now. So I'd take oh, a Lord. hot bowl of turkey soup right now. Yeah, you you would take a hot bowl of anything soup at this stage, but yeah. we're, we're gonna stick with turkey soup on this episode. So. Let's do the turkey soup then. What do it, you say? If you haven't listened before, turkey soup is basically Andy and I are gonna come at you rapid fire with some articles from around the country, just kind of giving you a status report on turkeys and what's going on turkey related around the country so i got my first one ready if you want ready to roll hit it pennsylvania i don't know how much this is going to help (laughs) but it makes sense pennsylvania is going to ban turkey hunting with muzzleloaders slug guns and pistols not sure how many folks were out there chasing with pistols but amid population decline 
So Pennsylvania has decided this year that you can't use a muzzleloader, a slug gun, or a pistol to hunt turkeys. Last year they made it illegal to hunt with centerfire rifles. Um, Makes sense to me. And so they kind of tie this in with the declining population, but personally I don't think they made this decision because of declining populations as much as safety in my mind, especially the rifles. But one thing from this article I found really interesting because I've always thought people aren't shooting them with rifles. You know, like, that's not really even happening that much. But in here it says, the commissioners found that while relatively few hunters used rifles, they did account for up to one-third of the overall turkey harvest. Seriously. That's a lot. That is a lot. So, anyway, they got rid of rifles. It's... Now And now, this year, they've added on the muzzleloaders and this other stuff. So if you're hunting in Pennsylvania this fall, you will have to use either archery or shotgun to turkey hunt. And the main way, in my mind, that that's going to save turkeys, muzzleloader deer season, those guys can't shoot a turkey that walks by now. Right. So people are always hating on fall turkey hunting. But I've always said, you know, in Tennessee, I wish they would make it where you had to buy fall turkey permit and it wasn't just included in your license because most of your fall turkeys die because an opportunistic archery deer hunter is going to shoot a gobbler that comes walking by a stand, you know. Mm-hmm. There, there's not many people who actually go out seeking to hunt the turkeys in the fall. But So Pennsylvania has made that adjustment. So if you're hunting Pennsylvania's fall, shotguns and bows. You got to leave that pistol at home, folks. I'm sorry. What if it was... I wonder if you can use a, a shotgun pistol. Ooh. So I don't know if there's enough detail in here to tell us that, but hmm. you go try it, man. Uh, uh, oh, it does say single projectile firearm. So okay. you could use a shotgun pistol. Okay. I mean, if that doesn't turn the population declines around in Pennsylvania, I don't know what will. Well, People can't use single projectile pistols to hunt them anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's going to save a lot of turkeys, I think. Not really. <laughs> But since we're in Pennsylvania, we may as well just stay in Pennsylvania. Man, lots of news. Yeah, I mean, look, with gas prices being the way they are, there's no reason to be in Pennsylvania, leave and go to a completely different state and turn around and go right back. So we're just going to stay in Pennsylvania. You make a good point. So right now, there is a poll survey going on in Pennsylvania, and I'm just going to throw out New York and Kentucky, and I'm pretty sure Rhode Island as well all have poll surveys going on and so that this is the time of year when those poll surveys are popular if your state participates if your state puts on a poll survey then there's a good chance it's going on right now so you guys in pennsylvania you've got one going right now and what i would say is if you don't know how to participate in the survey just go on google and type in pennsylvania Holt survey or New York or Kentucky or whatever state you're in and participate in those. They, they are important. You know, they give a good snapshot of what that hatch looks like, not just in your state, but in certain areas within the state. That's good information for biologists to have. We've had Mike Chamberlain say point blank that yes, there are some issues with poll surveys, but by far they are worth the time and the effort. So I have to trust the guy. He knows more than I do. It makes sense to me that a poll survey is a good thing. And so it's up to us to participate in those. And that means you guys jump out there and get it done because we don't have it in Alabama. Yeah. Well, so Tennessee launched it this year and it's not a poll survey, but they're doing just a turkey observation survey. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in Tennessee and you see a turkey, two turkeys, 50 turkeys, whatever it is, just you can literally Google it. Tennessee turkey observation, top one will take you to it. So you go there, you just fill out the survey. I've done it for every turkey I've seen since whenever it started in July. So if they want, if, if the people who are setting our laws and stuff are asking for information from the public regarding turkeys, I'm going to give them as much as I can because I want to help the science as much as I can. So yeah, do that. And yeah. Pennsylvania, do that. Any state. If your state's doing it, do it. If your state's not doing it, like Alabama, tell them to start doing it. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. So before we leave, 
Pennsylvania. Can I just do my next story? Heck yeah, if we're still sticking in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. So Pennsylvania is in the midst of doing a state-sponsored research project on wild turkeys. And so Pennsylvania is doing a gobbling survey, and they're tracking some wild turkeys as well to monitor movement and nesting success and that type of thing. So they're doing that in cooperation with Penn State and also with the University of Pennsylvania. So, you know, hats off to the state of Pennsylvania. Keep doing that. You know, that's information that benefits every single state, even though it's being done in Pennsylvania and and vice versa. You know, a lot of these studies and a lot of these, well, I'm going to say more outspoken biologists that are studying wild turkeys are in the southeast. Again, they're more outspoken, but the research that they're doing and their students are doing is going to give us results that we can use all across the country. So I am interested to see what happens with that in Pennsylvania and how that turns out. I think I didn't don't see how much longer the project's going to last, but I believe it's in the in the relatively early stages of it. So yeah, I saw where Pennsylvania was doing some studies because, like many states, they're worried about the turkeys, and I know they're doing at least one where they're tracking I think a hundred different radio collared hens. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be interesting. And I, I think I read at the end of the article I did read on that that they had already lost half of the hens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What in the world? That you know, it's one thing to not have nest success. It's another thing that half the hens are dead. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. And and I'll just segue that. We're gonna take a little drive. Get your wallet out. We're headed down to Alabama Ooh. to your home state. Yeah. And so the hang turkeys on. for tomorrow. Hang, before you before you go into that, hang on. Let me get my Kleenex over here. Hang on. Okay, go. Turkeys for tomorrow. We had. Dr. Goolsby on, was that last year? Probably about this time or so. I don't remember when it was, but it was last year and Turkeys for Tomorrow and the Alabama Wildlife Federation and several others, Auburn University, I think, and Mike Chamberlain and all all kinds of people. They're doing a couple studies in Alabama right now. And two of them, Turkeys for Tomorrow, has released the preliminary results of. And so... One is a study that involves capturing and fitting hens with GPS transmitters to determine the timing of nesting and incubation, nest survival, pulse survival, and habitat selection. So preliminary results there are very somber. They monitored 20 hens this year, 20. 18 of the 20 survived. That's pretty good. Yeah. 15 hens attempted to nest. I thought, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Two successfully hatched one poult at least that's pretty bad mm-hmm. <laughs> and brood survival was zero percent not one poult lived mm-hmm. so that is i mean i know overall in my mind that's a fairly small sample size it's 20 but not one poult made it out of 20 hens so you had 20 hens two of them died so now you have 18 hens and not one of them made any new turkeys that's bad yeah that's bad so that's all the information we have on that and we do plan on during the fall we're planning on having dr Goolsby on to share with us more about that study and the second part of this study is about disease and fertility in male turkeys to see if those are uh, contributing to to declines. So Alabama hunters showed up. I mean, great job, Alabamians. Turned in 401 carcasses to be sampled and analyzed. I thought that was impressive. That's just a testament to how turkey hunters are concerned right now. And they they did their best in Alabama there to to help this study. So I was impressed. I actually had several people message me after our show with Goolsby last year saying, how can I help? Tell me what to do. I I was just shocked. Like It's just awesome to see turkey hunters really care is, is what I took away from it. But the results from that, showed that a small number of the gobblers of this 401 did have disease 
And so it says the results are pending lab confirmation there. And then there was clear difference in the testicle size among adult males. So they, they don't know what that really implies yet. They're going to have to do more microscopic examination to assess the fertility rate. So what they're trying to do there is show, is there truly a dominant gobbler, subdominant gobbler, to the point of where only one can breed and the others cannot? And so that's going to be interesting. I don't, I'll be interested to see kind of the fertility rate of how they figure that out, A, and what it shows. Because if all toms are able to reproduce, that's very important. Because if only certain ones can reproduce, that is very important to know. <laughs> right. As a land manager. Yeah. But, you know, I don't, I'm not going to make any deductions yet because we haven't heard the final, you know, results of anything. But just because the testes were different sizes, in my mind, doesn't mean that they were infertile, because I'm sure they can just vary, you know? So mm -hmm. we will see. It'll be interesting. But that I'll tell you what I like, turkeys for tomorrow. I mean, I just love that. They started a study, and then they give us a one-year check-in. Hey, here's what we know so far. I freaking love that. Yeah. I mean, most studies I've seen in the past, it's like we're doing a five-year study, and then you don't hear from them for five years, mm -hmm. you know? And so I really like that we're getting kind of updates along the way of, hey, here's what's going on. So good job by them. And although the results are terrible, they're needed, and we need to see how can we help this. I look yeah. forward to seeing what was the reasoning for all the nest failure and poult deaths. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the I like the fact that TFT has released the one-year results, but I'm wondering how much Goolsby and the other biologists involved in this like the fact that the one-year results have been released because it's a year. It is yeah. a small sample size, number one, and number two, it is a small period of time. Yeah, so, I mean, very true, but it's kind of like investing, you know? I, I've sent some money to TFT. I like seeing a return on my investment. I like to yeah. see, hey, here's what we've gathered so far. It, it's just nice as a member of an organization to get updates along the way, even though, yeah. and I, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to think the world's falling. It's one year. It's 20 hens in one year. Let's see what happens over five years or three years, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, you got to take it with a grain of salt. It's one year of study. We'll see what happens over time. But it is nice to just see, like, it's almost like a reminder of, hey, we are still working here. We didn't just tell you we're doing this and then we're moving on. Like, it, it's still happening. Here's what's mm -hmm. happened so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got more studies going on. You know, this is, to me, something that's very exciting, and I'm sure it is to all of you guys listening as well, that there is so much research being done on wild turkeys so, right now. And, yeah. you know, I'm not the first one to say it, and I won't be the last one to say it. This got started late. It never should have taken this long for this many studies to be going on about wild turkeys, but we've got them going on and we can at least maybe hold out hope that, you know, we, we can make some determinations on a large scale, meaning over a large area, make some determinations about things that our states can do collectively, like all changing trapping seasons, all changing the way that burning's being done or, you know, whatever wildlife and more specifically, not just wildlife, but wild turkey habitat management needs to be done. You know, maybe it yeah. gets done on a broader scale across more states because of all of this. But that leads me into my next article, which is about North Dakota. So North Dakota is doing a study right now, and they've partnered with the NWTF on this one. And it's really pretty interesting to me. What they're doing is, of course, putting GPS backpacks on wild turkeys to monitor them. But they're putting those backpacks on hens, and they are going to compare the survival rate and nest success rate between translocated hens and huh. non-translocated hens, which I find pretty interesting. And then part of me says, hey, is there really something worth studying there? Because 
don't we have real world experience with translocation success? Because NWTF and many state wildlife agencies translocated a lot of birds over the 70s and 80s to a lot of different states. And those states have tremendous populations now. But nonetheless, you know, I guess there's always opportunity for something to be learned from the study. So I'm no I'm no biologist, I'm no genius, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But North Dakota every year translocates about 200 turkeys, what Mm. they call nuisance turkeys. And they're translocating those mainly from private property, farms, ranches, where the turkeys show up in these humongous flocks and visit feedlots. And they're not just visiting feedlots, they're crapping all over hay bales and eating lots of food. You know, you can imagine a flock of 100 turkeys rolling through or 200 turkeys rolling through in the wintertime. They can eat some food and do some pooping as well. So the state usually translocates a couple hundred turkeys every year, and they're going to do their testing on them. They're going to age them, of course, check their sex and take blood samples put the little backpacks on them and the vast majority of those turkeys that are translocated are put on WMAs. And so they're also going to trap and do the same thing. They're going to age and sex these other turkeys that are not translocated and put backpacks on those and just compare the survival rate of these turkeys and also, like I said, the the nest survival. So that you know, the nest survival thing, I think, is something that's pretty interesting, at least that part of the, that aspect of the study. So maybe, you know, we get some more results coming out of North Dakota. And like I said, pull all this stuff together and we can start putting together some firm data, some hard and fast facts about these animals that are not so hard and fast. Yeah, that's what the studies excite me. And what most excites me is that hopefully one day in the near future, these studies will all from all these different states, different agencies, scientists, everything, create an idea of here's how we implement to help this bird. Mm-hmm. That's when it's going to be really important and fun, in my opinion. Yeah. Because we can study them to the end of time, but at some point we need answers as to what do we need to do <laughs> and how do we do it? You know, Absolutely. and so hopefully... Hopefully that's what we're going to come to. And that's interesting. You know, it's cool to see states like North Dakota, which I'm not from. Maybe that's a big turkey state that I just don't know about. But that's not one of these states you hear about, you know, turkeys all the time in, you know. And so it's cool to see that they're also doing studies on their birds. Yeah. You know, it, it's not just your Alabamas, the historic turkey states, you know, it, it's states like North Dakota and, you know, Pennsylvania, historic turkey state. Mm-hmm. But everybody's doing these these different types of studies and everybody from surrounding states and countrywide can learn from them. So very cool. Yeah. I'm going to Michigan and this isn't turkey specific. I just thought it was interesting because it's a program that I freaking love, not only in Michigan, but other states. The state of Michigan is wanting private Monroe County. If you're in Michigan with Monroe County, they're wanting land to add to their Department of Natural Resources hunting access program. So enrollment is open through September 1. You must have at least 40 acres of land. And depending on the habitat, you can get up to, I think it was $25 per acre. So, and you can get another $5 per acre bonus if it's enrolled in a farm bill program, such as the Conservation Reserve Program. But, so if you're in that county, check into that. You got land if you want to enroll it, or if you are in that county or around that county and you know some landowners, you might call them and be like, hey, you want to make 25 bucks an acre for practically doing nothing? Enroll it in this program. (laughs) Yeah. And 
the reason I bring this up is I just I love these types of programs. Kansas has it with the walk-in hunting areas. I think is it Iowa has the IHAP program now, or is that Illinois? I can't remember which one it is. Yeah, I'm there's not a, sure. There's an IHAP program, but several states are moving towards these programs of paying private landowners to allow hunting access, and I have personally benefited from those in in certain states where I've been able to take a turkey on those private lands that were publicly opened. And I just think it's a great program. It benefits the landowner. It's cheaper than buying 10,000 acres for a WMA. It makes a lot of sense in my mind. So if you're in that county or around that county in, in Michigan, hit it up. Or if you're in one of these states that has a similar program, you know, try to encourage farmers locals around the area to enroll in such programs because i just think it's a great thing yeah absolutely yeah and last thing to note you're free of liability so there is some proclamation here that says no cause of action shall arise for injuries to persons hunting on lands leased under hap unless the injuries are caused by gross negligence or willful and wanton misconduct of owner tenant or leasee so basically it says if they have a hunting accident on your land you're not liable unless you physically go out there and like shoot them or something <laughs> yeah so that's good because that's usually one of the main concerns oh i don't want anybody hunting my land I'll, I'll get sued you know yeah but cool program i enjoy that kind of stuff so my last article my last ingredient in the turkey soup is that a man who shot a woman in Maine last year during the fall turkey hunting season is not going to jail. All right. So he's been charged with aggravated assault, reckless conduct with a firearm, and assault while hunting. All sound like very serious charges. And the woman was shot in a forested area at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so this was obviously an accidental shooting. So it's good that he was not being charged. Or, well, I can't yeah. say that. That he's not being, you know, not getting jail time because of that. You know, it's just a sad situation altogether. She suffered injuries to her face and neck because of the shot. And so, you know, just another reminder, you guys are going to be getting out there doing some fall hunting sometime soon. A lot of you. And be careful out there, man. I mean, it, again, we've said this numerous times on the show. Once that trigger goes off, you can't pull that shot back. And I know no one listening to this show would want to go the rest of their lives knowing that they shot someone else by accident, thinking that it was a turkey. And yeah, when the alternative is you let the turkey go, what if it is a re- what if you don't shoot and the turkey gets away? Oh, well. That means I get to go hunting tomorrow. Yep. So anyway, just a, a little reminder there. You know, like I said, I'm glad that I hate that it happened. Obviously, I'm, I know no one listening to this is like, yeah, he shot her. Heck yeah. But, you know, I hate that it happened. But I'm glad that the hunter's not getting any kind of jail time on that. So anyway, that's all yeah. of mine. That's all I've got. Uh, my last ingredient to add hits on a point we were talking about earlier. And so this is a article out of my home state of Tennessee by Larry Woods or Larry Woody in Nashville. It says, would predator bounties save turkeys? This is an idea that I've heard floated countless times on, on the Facebook biologist posts, you know. But basically this guy's point is, could we place a bounty on raccoons, possums, skunks, and coyotes, which take a heavy toll on turkey eggs, poults, and adult birds? And some believe the proliferation of these predators in recent years is the biggest factor in the turkey's decline. It's common sense, he says. If we reduce the number of predators that eat turkeys and their eggs, we'll have more turkeys. This has been presented to the Tennessee Fish and Game Commission. And he has been assured it will be taken into consideration. The commission has already taken a step towards predator control with what they did this year, extending our hunting and trapping seasons, doubling the limits. Um, but he, but this guy says it's not going to help because there's no incentive for hunters and trappers to kill these animals. The fur doesn't bring any money, and the 
coon hunters, all they care about is shining the coon and going on. They don't even kill them anymore, which is very true. (laughs) And so that's basically how this article goes is he's saying, Hey, why don't we do a, a bounty program like South Dakota? They're, I think they're one of the only states who's doing it. They have a $10 bounty on the animals, and South Dakota says it's working, but this guy's saying we should be doing that in Tennessee. I've always thought it's an interesting concept. There's a lot more to it than you think about. One thing mentioned in this article, the raccoon is the state animal of Tennessee, and it really? probably would be perceived wrongly to have a bounty on his head. <laughs> The state animal is a trash panda. The trash panda is the state animal. And my sole goal and many others in the state is to rid the state of this of said animal. <laughs> wow. So that could be a hurdle that they're going to put a bounty on our state animal. But I do like that South Dakota has that program in place. And I think it's worthy of looking at because he does have a point. The fur prices... Trapping is not going to be profitable for anybody. Not right now. I mean, it's just a fact. And no. your coon hunters, truly, they're all about the dog work. They don't want to kill the coons because they can go tree them again the next night. They take them out, shine that coon, roll on, don't even shoot them, you know. And so every time I have coon hunters at our place, I tell them my one prerequisite is that you will kill every single coon you lay eyes on. Mm-hmm. But makes a point it'd be one way to incentivize people to go kill these animals who otherwise wouldn't so i'd be down for it i'd support it it's an interesting concept i hear a lot about it online one thing to say it one thing to get it enacted cool to see south dakota doing it they're doing it mostly for their pheasants because that is a huge huge economic benefit to south dakota is their pheasants yeah and so they're incentivizing people to trap for the pheasant population, but it's also going to help your turkeys. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder where the money for the bounty comes from. Coming from license sales. Hey, put a $10 turkey stamp on us and then turn around and use that to pay for a predator bounty. Two birds with one stamp. Well, I don't... Obviously, I don't disagree because we've talked how many times about turkey stamps being a good thing, good way yeah. to raise some money. So, obviously, I don't disagree with that, but you'd have to have some federal matching dollars from there to make that worthwhile. Because if I bought a $10 turkey stamp, I'm going to kill way more than one raccoon. Yeah. Well, you look at it, if uh, they charged everybody that hunted Tennessee a $10 turkey stamp, that's, you know, say we have 90,000 turkey hunters, $900,000. You turn that back around, you can kill 90,000 predators to pay for them. That's quite a few. The state could do something like that. They could invest the money and, you know, even if it's just a well, no, high-yield bond. Or you get $900,000 from license sales. Can't those be applied to Pittman-Robertson dollars? For license sales, absolutely. Okay, so you add a $10 turkey stamp. You get $900,000 from your 90,000 turkey hunters. You apply it for Pittman-Robertson dollars. You get, what, two-for-one matching funds? Mm-hmm. Okay, so $900,000 now turns into, what is that, $2.7 million? Yeah. Okay, and then you pay that back out at $10 a pop per predator, so you're looking at 270,000 predators removed from the landscape just on the bounty program. That's a pretty big difference. I don't disagree. We've solved it. Andy and Cameron have fixed the turkey population declines. The only problem is we cannot implement. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We can't implement, but maybe if enough of us reach out to our states and say, let's do this, here's an idea, maybe we can implement. Maybe one day. It it sure makes sense to me. You yeah. uh, you take out 270,000 predators off the landscape in Tennessee, I promise you that makes a difference. Yes, indeed. Your pheasant population in Tennessee would do much better. Yes, go from, it'd probably at least be stable at zero to zero. Right. Exactly. Well, that's all I got for the day. We've gone a little long here for a soup episode, but interesting stuff as always. It's just random, random stuff, but always super interesting to talk about in my mind. Yes, indeed. Hey, before we sign off, look at your phone. I like what I'm seeing. You have a survivor. There's a survivor. So that buzzing sound that you guys heard when Cameron was talking just a couple of minutes ago was my new trail cam going off saying, hey, dude, you have a picture. 
I open up the All picture. All by himself. Yeah. And there's a long bearded turkey by his lonesome. Standing Interesting. In front of he the doesn't camera. have any buddies. Got you, got you one of those hermits hanging out by himself. Yeah. So looks like, you know, not, not a very long beard. So maybe last year's Jake. And you know what? I didn't even look at Spurs. I was just so excited that there was a male turkey. Yeah, he looks, I mean, who knows, but just my oh, initial. Not big Spurs. Yeah, my initial reaction is that's your two-year-old for next year. Yeah, that's just what I want, two-year-old for next year. That, that's exactly the man I like to meet. Open a day, bring him on. You betcha. <laughs> well, we can safely say, because we have photo evidence of it, there is one male turkey that survived Alabama's spring 2022 turkey season. Nice. Congrats. He may be a popular fella come springtime next year, both with humans and with the hens. Yes, indeed. So, awesome. I can't remember. Did you do the favor of the week, or did I do the favor of the week last week? Man, I don't even remember, but I'll 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 give it it this week. You take it, then. I'll take it. And you can add on to it, because I think I added on to yours last week. So, again, the... Alabama chapter of the NWTF is having a field day this coming Saturday. I believe the date is the 7th, 6th. What is the what is Saturday Saturday's date? Saturday is August 6th. 6th. And the cost to attend is 50 bucks. There's going to be three great biologists there that are going to talk about Things that we can be doing on our land to improve the habitat for wild turkeys. Nesting habitat, brood habitat, habitat in general for wild turkeys. And you guys, if you show up, you're going to be able to ask questions of these biologists. And I know there's going to be some great info shared. So 50 bucks, go to Google, type in 2022 Alabama NWTF field day and sign up and show up and i look forward to seeing you saturday if you see me there i will have on my turkey hunter podcast shirt nice i should be easy to spot look for the bald-headed guy but if we're outside look for the guy with a hat on or just listen or yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny going to these things and people are like are you andy from the turkey hunter podcast i don't recognize your face at all but i heard you <laughs> I, I recognize your voice yes <laughs> so yep look for me i'll be there and there's you know again a couple of guys that have been on this show that are there and it'll be great information and you'll support the nwtf in the process so good deal all right that was mine what's yours no that's it i'm gonna let you have it this week all right cool you want to wrap it up wrap it on up Okay. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.